are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is the Radiant Culture Podcast. Hope everyone is doing good. I'm your host, Cookie Monster. And today I'm joined by the lovely Sharon. Hey, hey, everybody. It's been a while, but I'm always around the corner. Yeah. And today we, we have a guest in the house. Um, to some, you know, he's a man who needs no introduction, but I guess to others, he may need, an, he may, he may need to get introduced. Um, today we have uh, Ngoni, a.k.a. Prophecy. So this guy is actually pretty cool, and, you know, he's got the most amazing story. And... Um, in fact, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Ngoni tell us a bit about who he is because, you know, I can, I can kind of go off on a tangent. So, in fact, let me, I'll, 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 refer, I'll, I'll refer to you as Pro. How's about that? Yeah, pro. That, that works. Yeah. So, Pro. Yes, sir. Tell us who you are, what you're all about. Um, yeah, I'm a hip-hop artist. I like to say Christian because a lot of people don't like that tag anymore. But, uh-huh. yeah, I'm a... I'm a I'm a Christian hip hop artist slash minister slash farmer. My titles are different. You know Zimbabwe. It will make you, it will make you turn into a jack of all trades. <laughs> so you wear many hats. Yes, I so wear. So are many you hats. a are you a Christian artist? No, are you a Christian who does hip hop, or are you do you actually do Christian hip hop? For me, it's it's it's. I think it's a, a bit of both because um my faith influences my art my craft Hmm. and i'll never compromise on that so you never catch me on the flip side so which makes me a christian hip-hop artist so whatever whatever brand yeah that people want to put on me i'm comfortable with it but personally i like to say i'm a christian hip-hop artist cool man yeah cool well, today, um, Pro, we're, we're not going to be talking about the music side of things. In fact, you know, FYI, Pro was the very first guest we had Yay. when we started this podcast. Yay. And Yay. I remember we were talking about Unmasked. The Unmasked. Yes. Yes, that was the, the topic. Yes, yes, I still yes, remember yes, that. Yes. The go, very first guest. You know, the Bible says, go back to your first love. <laughs> Yes, I'm here. We're yeah. back to our first love. And yes. I, still, I actually remember in that little studio. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah. But you guys have grown. We, we thank God for that. I yeah. hope you continue because uh, alternative entertainment is needed. You guys always bring that wholesome stuff, yeah. that deep stuff, and now people need it. Radiant culture. That's Thanks, what it man. Is. We're yeah. trying. We're trying. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we're going to get straight into it. So um, Prophecy has... The most amazing story, like I've said earlier. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, so the story is actually that <clears throat> Prophecy had cancer um, yes, at some point yes, sir. in his life. And, um, and he was basically healed of that cancer. Yes. So we want to talk about that. We wanted to share his story, the journey, and um, how he ultimately you know, came to the, to, to, to the realization that he had been healed. Yeah. Um, and then we also want to ask a couple of questions, you know, just about what what it actually means, what the journey was like. And um, the whole idea being that we want to, you know, there may be people out there that 
are having similar exper- similar experiences, people that are either suffering from cancer or have loved ones, you know, that are that are suffering from it or still believe in God or, you know, they're kind of just tired, yeah. you know, of praying and believing and nothing is changing, whatever the case is. So that that's the whole purpose of today. That's mm, right. Mm, yeah. And I like that it's a it's a different angle on cancer because we've given it like this this huge stage, I think. And, yeah. and it's it's like this prominent topic that can get people to change their diets, that can get people to change their lifestyle, that kind of thing. So I I I get it. It's it's a real threat. Or get it's, or get yeah. people fearful. Yes, yes, this is the thing. So it's like I'm kind of on the on the two extremes. Yeah. Either you're really afraid of it or you just refuse to acknowledge it. Yeah. But in any case, it's something yeah. that exists. And today we're going to explore a different aspect of it because we're talking to somebody who went through the experience, yeah. first of finding out and then yeah. of going through the treatments and the journey and then being cured. I mean, I'm blown away, honestly. Yeah. I, I think one of the biggest reasons I've been so afraid of cancer is what if the cure is in a, isn't an option? Yeah. You just like yeah. when you hear cancer you're just like okay so how when am I going to die because all the other movies we've ever watched about cancer are about that yeah. the point leading up to the death. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, cool. So th- thanks Dazzle. So you know pro let's get straight into this. Um maybe just uh tell us how it all started, you know, how it all came about. Um how did you actually discover you had it? So yeah, yeah just throw okay. it out there man. Um, yeah, I'll need you guys to guide me because it's our time. It's okay. Remember, I, I'll be like a politician. I I'll, I'll, I'll guide you. <laughs> so, um, it was back in the year 2000. Yeah. Well, okay, let me let me backtrack. 2001, February. Um, I was in boarding school, mm-hmm. St. Augustine's Mission School. Uh, my brother came. This is how my book actually starts. So, ish, guys. Yeah. I hope when I when I when I publish, you guys are also going to. Oh, by the way, Pro yeah. is actually writing a book about this. I've written a book. He's written a book which yeah. is going to be published very soon. Bigger anyway, we'll, cancer, we'll get yeah. into that at the yeah. end of the program. Yeah. Yeah. So it was February two thousand and one, and my dad came over to visit, and my brother, uh, well, he came to find me because I was <laughs> I was somewhere in the school. So <laughs> it was on a Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. It was very odd for my for my dad to come. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we go to the car and my dad greets me. I get into the car and we leave. And I'm thinking, where are we going? And my dad is like, you remember, Uncle Pats, my dad had a twin brother. Right. Uncle Pats had been battling cancer. Yeah. He had uh, stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, uh, he lost the battle today. So we're going to the funeral which was in Yanga. So I went to the funeral and them being twins, it was very devastating for my dad. I can imagine, man. Yeah. So fast forward to May. My dad had just retired and now I was looking to settle in at the farm. We'd been farming since 96. This was 2001. So he wanted to just find a great place to just Mm. retire. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) so we're in the car. I'm about to leave. I was leaving that afternoon for school. And we get into one of those father-son lectures. Ah, you know, I want you to go and do well. It was different this time. Yeah. You know, he's on some very deep stuff like, ah, you know, I want you to do so well in life. And I'm like, dude, you're going to be here for my life. What's going on? Like, yeah. 
but you know what at the time you're young i was 16 i was just like ah you know what is being a dad so yeah. anyway my mom came fetched me went that's me june my mom comes to school i'm like what uh we need to go home i was like ah okay cool yeah, probably guys have moved to the farm now because yeah. we lived in mutare the farmers in Yazura, so probably maybe some party or something where these guys are celebrating, housewarming, whatever. Yeah. When we got to Mutare, we get into one of the stores. We still had Jaggers back then. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're in the aisles, and my mom stops me. She's like, when you see your dad, don't cry. I'm like, well, I see my dad don't. What do you mean? What's going she, on? Yeah, yeah, she's like, he's really sick. I'm like, no. Last month, like Same a month ago, yeah, a month ago, we bought ceiling boards for the yeah. house. We were carrying them into the house. She's like, nah, just don't cry. So it was a forty-five minute journey from Mutare to Nyazura. No one spoke to the other person because in my head I was now like, what's going like on? what's going on? Right. We get to the farm before the car even stops. My door is already open. Like I really want to see why. Uh-huh. I run into the house and. The house is packed. Like, where are all these people coming from? I haven't seen this Tete in a long time. I haven't seen this person in a long time. So a whole lot of relatives. Yeah. yeah. And I walk into the new lounge. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been to the house. It was my first time. Yeah. And, well, first time after it was renovated. So I walk in and there's a fire, there's a fire and fireplace. There's a chair. And then I leaned forward to see. And I couldn't even recognize my dad. Lost weight. Um, I wear a beard because of his memory, by yeah. the way. So he'd trimmed, like he'd shaved. Yeah. He was bald, dark. His eyes were yellow. Even, you know, in his palms, it was yeah. yellow. And I, mm. so dark, my dad was light-skinned. He was a yellow bone. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what, what the heck is going on here? Like, and so I think the way it was done, yeah. I think I sh- I, they could have preempted it in a better way because right. I think it traumatized me. So I went into what, our bedroom. That's the first time I prayed in my life. Because hmm. I'd never seen him in that state. And no one had actually told me what it was. What was going on, yeah. So I'm chilling with him. He's not eating. And the next thing is, it's uh, 8 o'clock. And they say he's got to go and sleep. So we, we help him to the bedroom. And then I sit next to him. Mm-hmm. Till about 2 in the morning. Because my mom was with the ladies. Right. They were singing and praying and whatnot. So she walks in around 2.30. And she's like, you're still here? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chilling with him. So were you guys talking? No. Okay. I didn't know. So my mom says, no, you've got to go and sleep. I'm like, no, I can't. I mean, I'm chilling with him. Like, she's like, no, that's how he sleeps. He sleeps with his eyes open. I'm forgetting the med- medical t- term of yeah. that. But when you're really sick, oh you can actually, like, that you can sleep with your eyes open. All right. Yeah, so fast forward... The following day, actually, we had to go back to Mutare at a basketball tournament. Uh, it wasn't planned that you were sick and I was taken on a Friday. But Saturday, I had a commitment with the school. So when we went there, whilst we were waiting for the guys from my school to arrive, that's when she, she broke it down to me. She said, look, your dad was diagnosed with cancer. He's got cancer in his pancreas. Okay. It's not looking good. And she started crying. So tell me something, Pro. Um, yeah. So is this something that had happened recently like uh by the time that your dad came to see you at school yeah when your 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 uncle died yeah right was he already had he already been diagnosed with cancer 
Or that's that's the other thing uh-huh. about our African culture, the Zimbabwean culture. Yeah, they could have known, but they never communicated that to us. Right. You know, because I remember in '95, my dad had surgery to remove two thirds of his intestines because hmm. he had ulcers, and they feared that the ulcers could have could, could become cancerous. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm suspecting. I mean, we have the best doctors. We 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 have some of the best doctors in Africa, I believe. Yeah. And I mean, the track record goes as far back as '95, even '96. Yeah. And I believe they knew. This they, is my as assumption. Doc, as in the doctor or your doctors, family? my family, but probably. Just... But because this, I always say to, I always remind people that post-war, this is the first generation of free fathers. Right. So you get caught up in work and all these things yeah. and the relationship with children. I think our generation is the one that's actually learning to yeah. really implement, implement some of these parental things. And so I think my dad knew probably. Yeah. Maybe that talk in May. Yeah. Was because he kind of knew that, knew you know, yeah. so after that, my dad passed on in July. So May, June, July, it was Ish. just two months. They were five months apart with his twin brother. So, yeah, that's done. 2001. 2002, I'm at school. Yeah. And I woke up with a lump on the left side of my neck. I, hadn't, uh-huh. I didn't see it. Yeah. My friend who shared the space with me was like, look, there's, I think there's something on your neck. So I just thought probably something bit me. Yeah. Because I was pressing and there wasn't any pain. The following day was parents' day. I don't know if you guys had parents' day at your schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom we came. It. <laughs> <laughs> Just never mentioned it. Yeah. My mom came. We went to Rusape, and I had what's called a biopsy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, they took out the lump. So the guy makes a premature diagnosis. He says, uh-huh. ah, it's important school. You know, in those dorms, it's so many people. It's probably hygiene. It's common for kids to have TB. I'm like, Okay. TB from a lump in the throat. Yeah. Okay. Because your lymph nodes react to viruses oh, when, right. they are, when they are when they are fighting a uh-huh. viral attack in your in your yeah in your immune system. Yeah. It, well, your immune system comes to defend, and that's where the lymph nodes are. Yeah. They're very small. Everybody has them. Yeah. Those those the, little bumps, like if you've got exactly. a, a sore tooth or something, exactly the thingy that, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a sign God designed us like that. When it when it swells up, it shows that it's fighting, mm-hmm. like it's an overdrive. So anyway, um, the guy makes a premature uh, diagnosis. So having cut it out as Africans again, when nothing is swollen, when there's no pain, when mm-hmm. you are eating right, you are not sick. But that's what cancer is like. It right. does its stuff underground. Fast forward to 2004, um, another lump appears. And this time I was in Harare. Mm-hmm. So I came to medical chambers just <coughs> here in the avenues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The moment I walk in, the doctor was white. Yeah. It was like, um, where are you coming from? I'm like, I live in Yazura. And he's like, okay, I need you to get a next of kin. I need you to have a biopsy now. I'm like, biopsy now? is like, yes, you need to have one now. 15 minutes later, I'm in... Uh, it was next to actually there's a clinic that was being built there yeah. I had surgery done there they removed the lump it was put in a small bottle mm-hmm. and because Zim 2004 was in its uh, very young moments of struggle yeah. medical aid wasn't working so they said to me go find cash they handed me the tumor what? in a bottle it was covered of course and I was on my way and a very popular guy, Robinson Shumba. Yes. 
I went to Rapso and Shumba's office because we're at the same church. And I told him the story and yeah. actually he was like, look, I'll give you the money. Went. He was actually my choir leader at some point. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wish Rapson was here. Um, and so yeah, I Rapson, took it Rapson in. Rapson is a good man. Yeah. I took it in and then Monday, yeah. got into the doctor's office. He called my aunt. I was in his office. He had a talk with me. Family history, and I'm now thinking, wait, okay. 2001, mm. my, my father and his twin brother passed on. Why are you asking me about family history? Yeah. I was very anxious, and he could see. So he says to me, no, I need your mom to come. I'm like, no, my mom is not coming. I had a biopsy without my mother. Yeah, so... So just hand it to so me. Break so it down, yeah. Takes a piece of paper, scribbles on it, flips it over, slides it across the table. That's how difficult it was for him to, wow. to break it down to me. I was 19. And I flip it over, and it's Hodgkin's lymphoma, cancer, lymphatic cancer. That's what he wrote. And I was like, and you know that moment when you just, that loud sound that just comes, like, you know, everything he said, I wasn't even listening. Like, like, how? (laughs) Like, then after, like, five, six minutes, I zoned back in, like, okay, so what does this mean? It's like, we need you to see an oncologist quickly so that we kind of find a solution. My mom came down to Harare and we went to see an oncologist, Dr. Nyakabau. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, based on the biopsy, I had to go into hospital again yeah. for further tests. I was in St. Anne's and over two days I was doing from CT scans to x- x-rays yeah. to bone marrow. Um, they actually drilled in my chest. Right. Uh, local anesthetics, That's I was a- awake. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the I think Friday after about three days, they had the results and they gave me a prescription. The prescription I took to St. Anne's, which was I think the main center for chemotherapy drugs, because yeah. I was given two options, chemotherapy and radiation. Um, the quotation we got, we could buy back then the farmers dream car was a bt50 uh-huh the mazda yeah mazda bt50 <laughs> yeah. it was new and i think it was forty eight thousand dollars for the chemo drugs mm-hmm. and that could buy the bt50 back then so it wasn't it was no option sure so the second option because it's along the way mm-hmm. with the lifts we dropped off at party walked in got to the radiation center Mm-hmm. And people were just littered all over, you know, people with, you could see lamps and all these Shucks. and wounds and stuff. You walk in and the lady actually does like a young laugh, like, someone actually sent you here. Like, this machine has not been working for years. And, wow. you know, and all these people were like the people waiting at the, at the pool, like wow. waiting for the angel to come That's and stare at the waters. Crazy, and I remember we sat there, my mother cried because for the first time, we couldn't do anything about it. My dad was retired. He had yeah. pension and all of that. Yeah. That's why his ride was whenever anything was needed, I never heard them say, no, we don't have money for this or yeah, whatever. He just, had it. They could pay for it. But over the years, you know, my mom is learning to manage things on her own. Yeah. Uh, we won't get into family matters where some people come and claim monies and stuff yeah. like that. But we yeah. literally suck dry. There's nothing. And, uh, you know, yeah. just, just to touch on that, I think that's possibly one of the most terrible things about our culture yeah where you know it's i i know know multiple instances where that's happened where you know uh, a father dies 
then you know the the family just comes and just yeah. <laughs> literally you know starts claiming things and the most hurtful part is it's his brothers sometimes it's his yeah. sisters and it's touchy subject but it's the truth yeah. even speaking about uh the medical one I'll I'll throw I'll throw this one in yeah. my uncle uh I was born with these medical terms they always escape when you need to talk about I had six fingers on each hand okay right and they had to do some tying there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a name for it i'm yeah. i'm forgetting it now but my uncle my my dad's twin brother mm-hmm. also was born with six fingers okay so when we talk about the genetic effects of mm-hmm. diseases and stuff like yeah. that mm-hmm. right now as i was writing my book when i was now doing my research i literally just remember that look wait i had six fingers like uncle patson had six right. fingers so it could be because these fingers these six fingers come as a genetic defect okay so it could be that it was in the uh it was passed down like hereditary mm-hmm. it was okay. hereditary so mm-hmm. uh, just to touch on what you were saying like we we look for so many things even when you're sick yeah. when you're diagnosed as was my case people would suggest let's go see this person there there's this person there you know and what not and but then we are there at party you can imagine yeah there's no money the radiation which is second option is gone we went to cancer association and they handed me dietary regulations and stuff like yeah. that like change your diet and what not but for the sake of time i ended up just deciding having done so many things i had a dream um we'll talk about that later or next time but i'd had a dream where i was in a pit yeah and i couldn't find my way out like it, it was like an empty well a dry well mm-hmm. and i tried to find my way out but then i realized because it was so dark there was a light on me and the moment i looked up i woke up so when we were there i actually said to my mom when at party i said to my mom I think that's what my dream actually meant that we will go around to so many places looking for solutions. Yeah. But we've got to look up. I was a premature Christian then. Yeah. So so were you were you uh serious about God here? Two I was two years in. Okay. And I think the year before that is when I started feeling the call of God on my life. Okay. So but not hardcore like not you know um uh, always reading the scriptures christian literature stuff no i was the god tv kind of guy okay. i had my favorite preachers i would watch mm-hmm. td jakes at a particular yeah. time paula yes. white yes. and all of that and so that's how it had happened so when we when fast forward to that i decided to say mom look we can't do anything here we've tried to see relatives we've mm-hmm. tried to visit people my dad worked in the government in the president's yeah. office actually yeah you go there like you think people have money no Yeah. At that at that time you are in your feelings yeah about it like why didn't uncle so and so help us but recollecting like going back to the dream i actually in being mature spiritually i actually see god hardening people's hearts like he did with pharaoh mm-hmm. for the sake of the israelites to call on god on a much deeper level so back then i was like no these guys don't love us they don't yeah. but later on i soon realized that god was actually setting up you know um the 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 it was more of him ushering in his moment yeah. to do his thing so so um yeah so i i guess let's let's get into into that um mm-hmm. that that part of the story yeah so you've tried to do all these different things you've tried all these various options 
Yeah. And and nothing is materialized. Yeah. Um what what happened next? Um I got involved at church. Yeah. My church was in Mutari. And then I just knew. Like before I even went to church, I started reading a lot on faith. Mm-hmm. Faith and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He sent forth his word and it healed them and all of that. And you read about Abraham and Sarah and you're like, okay, so God came to a barren woman and he says, you have a child. And, and Abraham is, well, Sarah laughed because she's saying, look, there's no more pleasure between us. We are, we are old. Yeah. And then God comes, literally waits for that moment to come not when they are 50 or 40 or 30 yeah. it comes when they are in their 90s and says look you guys are going to have a child and so i started believing god funny enough as i got involved in church i became very radical and mature in a good way mm-hmm. that even at times i was allowed to share like on the church pulpit right. at all night prayer meetings and all of that people would actually get healed when i would pray for people when someone just said, ah, this young man knows his, his word around the aspect of faith, yeah. things would happen. But when I looked in the mirror, two more lumps are there, you know, and I'm losing weight significantly. And were, were you feeling any pain at this, at this point? Night sweats. Okay. Like I was sweating a lot, fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, I was beginning to have some pain in my groin. Okay. And there were these rushes that came and went, like particularly in my behind my knees. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think where I would sweat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not on any form of medication? Not on any form of medication. Right. I just stopped eating fried foods, fatty foods and stuff like yeah. that and uh, fizzy drinks. And there, there was a list that I was. And so I'm looking at that. I'm looking at God doing all of that in people. And then I go back home and I'm looking worse and worse by the day. Yeah. So that's 2004, five, six, seven. I am now, in, especially in January, actually December 2006, I remember New Year's. I literally felt it. I was like, look, see that God is going to work a miracle. And I remember I was talking to someone, I'm forgetting who it was, but I cried. I wept New Year's Eve. I was like, I don't know if I'll make it out of 2007. Yeah. With the way I feel and what I'm going through, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But these are three years of intensive studying of the word. I woke up every day without fail at 3 a.m. Because I'd started a business to sort of try and raise money. So I was rearing yeah. chickens. So yeah. I'd wake up in the middle of the night just to check on them. And from 3 to about 6, for three hours... I would quote scriptures and pray. For three years, that was my, 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 Your routine. my routine. Yeah. And so I think what hurt my family, my brother is Muslim, by the way, my yeah. elder brother. I think it affected him as well during that period because for him, you know, people expect when they see someone who's diligent in their yeah. faith. I wasn't, I, whether it's music or I wasn't interested in that. I was just about God, you know, yeah. just about God. I left my room to refresh, to use the bathroom, to eat. But, but, but otherwise, I stayed in there just in the word and just quoting scripture, scripture. And so my brother was literally affected by it because for three years, we got to December 2006. Affected in a negative way? Or? In a negative way because uh-huh. his understanding, he didn't have the dream. Okay. The words that I was reading and feeding on and believing God for, yeah. he wasn't. He was an observer. Right. So he's hearing his brother say, God is going to heal me. Don't worry, guys. 
and then he's looking at God not coming through because in people's eyes, faith works differently yeah. than the person who has the faith. It's like a one-time magic pill, they think. Exactly. So it's meant to be like the the people who were healed instantly. is like, exactly. so, and then, yeah. because, yeah. You can imagine, three, so, three so years. So could, could this also be because of, you know, the way um, as Christians we're often we're often um taught the whole concept of faith yeah that uh and of course i, I don't want to pinpoint any particular church yeah but you know often when, when people think of faith when th- there's this whole belief um you know, like if we think of the prosperity gospel for example yeah, yeah. in quotes right yeah the belief that you know god wants you wealthy god wants you healthy and no no problems on earth yeah jesus died so that you know you you live a good life yeah, but then we see this this disconnect where people have believed God for stuff, yeah. for healing, yeah. and it doesn't happen. Exactly right. Yeah, and it's like no, but wait a minute. Uh, I was told that if I do A B C D, if I sow a seed, or if I do whatever, you know, God is gonna come through for me. Yeah, but there's nothing happening. Yeah, and people start to observe it. They're like, dude, you do so much. You're always praying. You're always giving. Exactly. You're always at church. Yeah, <laughs> where's? So I guess my my question also is that. Um, how does this whole healing thing actually actually work? Is healing for everyone? He, yeah, I, I like the question you're posing. For me, I think there's the sovereign aspect of God where kids in a school bus, you know, it falls in over, it rolls over a bridge. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, but God, like these are children. Yeah. You know, there are moments like that. I don't want to just relegated to cancer alone yeah there's so many things that have happened the tsunami like natural disasters and you're thinking but god where are you i think death is for everybody how it comes is different yeah some people are healed some people are not healed i like what my pastor always says lazarus was raised from the dead but he still died right we we don't know how he died (laughs) yeah yeah and i think it's very important for us to understand for me i would say it's not to say when a person is not healed, they did not exercise faith. Right. Like That's that. where we then move into just lift up our hands and say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh take away. Yeah. You are sovereign. We'll never understand your ways. Yeah. Right. And because yeah, I like that this question is being thrown at me mm-hmm. because I still get touched when I think of my dad and his twin brother. Yeah. The five months, I think... People like when I share my story, people forget that part because they want to get to this part. Yeah. But I lost my dad and he That's had people crazy. around him yeah. praying for him. My, 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 my uncle, my dad's twin brother was yeah. in the choir. Yeah. He served God. He really loved God. This is a man I watched model his faith like no other person I knew in our family. Yeah. Right. And so you can imagine the question you've asked me. Yeah. I'm looking behind me and I'm seeing the people that have been slaughtered by Goliath. Yeah. My dad. Seemingly being slaughtered. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, the Goliath called cancer. cancer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I see what you mean. And I see the two tombstones, like my, my, my uncle and my dad's, and I'm like, okay. So now it's, it's me. Wow. 2004, after my diagnosis, my aunt, my dad's sister, mm-hmm. yeah, she was diagnosed with really? breast cancer. Oh, my word. You know what I mean? And so it's, 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 it's a thing where just to seal that question that you've asked, I have seen it ravage lives. Yeah. And in my own story, I don't have the answer. But what I know is there is a place where God is sovereign. 
Yeah. Where he says, I know why I did this. For example, had my dad lived, I don't think I would have become, I would have walked in the paths that I've walked. Right. Because I, he had a model for me that he wanted. You finish school, you do this, you go there. I don't think ministry was a thing that he was going to accept. Yeah. I'm not saying God took my father away to do that, but I think in the process of life, he just knows that when a seed falls and dies, out of it comes more. So I'm a product of that particular seed, that yeah. seed of death, <clears throat> if I can call it that. And so I don't know if I've answered you. Yeah, th- thanks for that. I think that's but, very but useful. But yeah, God is sovereign. And, and, and you, may, you even mentioned like people that are losing their loved ones. Yeah. I remember I hated hearing testimonies like that. Because I was like, no, my dad died. Why is this person here telling us about healing? There's nothing like that. Because I was, it's my father. Yeah. I'm supposed to be emotionally attached. And, 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 and it's, a, it's a very touchy subject where I think in another, if you can have another podcast on death, yeah, on sickness. And I think it's, it's very important because it's not just cancer. Yeah, it's, it's many things. Yeah, it's many things. But just understanding the sovereignty of God and that he does things we'll never understand. So, you know, we're talking about you're spending every day in the word, your brother... It's 2007. Yeah, your, your brother seeing. So what, what then happened? 2007, I came down to Arare because yeah. um, we had a visit in Matari. And one of the days I was actually walking. Um, walk, not that I wasn't walking at the time, but you know, when you go to town, yeah. you, mm-hmm. you, you do distances you don't do when you're at home. Right. And I think I'd walked about, I'd walk a distance of about 20 meters and then there would be a sharp pain and I'd have to sit. Mm. And I had done so much to shield so many things. I couldn't wear round neck t-shirts. I always wore those uh, polo shirts. Oh yeah, to cover, to cover the... And then I would do the Kanye, Kanye Western, <laughs> flip my collar up, you know. It looked stylish, yeah. but it was me trying to avoid because everybody would look at me. Was it now visible? Very visible. Okay. Very visible. I, would, I think I need to share pictures with you. Yeah, sure. So that sure. you can put them on the... Yeah. When, people, watch, when sure. people listen to this. It, I was covering that, so I was avoiding that. And yeah. so the pain now, you can't avoid it because you can't keep forcing yourself to walk. So my mother is like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm having this pain. So we just decided. My mom was like, no. If we are going to be knocking on doors that we didn't knock on previously, then we're going to it. those doors. Yeah. And it does a lot to your self-esteem. Yeah. It damages your confidence. You look at yourself because I remember... And funny enough, this I was reading this today when I was going through my book. I remember the closed doors, the doors that closed behind us. Yeah. I remember how my mother had to walk in and plead a case to the rich who at the end of her plight would say, ah, we have no money. Yeah. I remember people that we walked into their offices and their homes and you're like, no, you know, it's, I mean, it's their choice. They're going mm. on holiday in Italy. And then I need you know, just a bit of money to start yeah. my chemo cycle and they say we don't have money. Um, my uncle's never visited an hospital, by the way. Okay. One uncle of mine met me at the bus. So emotionally, I was already swelling at the bus station. Sorry. I was swelling with so much emotion already. Yeah. I felt rejection. I felt like in the midst of building my faith. Yeah. I'm looking at God like... But you know, how does this make sense? We'll get to we'll get to it later. But we're coming to Arare 
and we go to Rotaract clubs. I remember meeting Colin Harvey. You remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Colin yeah, Harvey and yeah. his wife, they really assisted me in a way they, they could. Yeah. Um, dietary issues and all of that, expert uh, advice and all of yeah. that, they really assisted. There were people that really assisted us. Fast forward to, it was May, no, April. A couple from our church traveled to America mm -hmm. and <clears throat> they came across a university in America. It has a hospital mm -hmm. uh, and they tried to get me there. Unfortunately, I was 22. Yeah. Had I been 18, they could have accepted me for free um, oh, I see. treatment. Yeah. So you're over the age. Yeah, I was over the age. Yeah. So they came back in May of 2007. So they had made a bit of money there. So they came and pledged to pay for the first two cycles of chemotherapy. Wow. Yeah. So when is action, by the way? Action May. is it's May, right? Mm -hmm. End of May. Exactly. So it was April. May, I was supposed to start. Yeah, I was supposed to come down to Harare in May. And I was supposed to start chemotherapy in June. And I came down to Harare. I came for, con for action conference. Yeah. Yeah. And that night, Pastor Bonnie Duchel stood up on the platform. I don't know if you were there. But she shared a story. Mm-hmm. Of when she had surgery, I think. Lung, had, like one of her lungs, yes. Exactly. And she had pictures on uh, the screen and all of that. Right. And, and I remember it like it was yesterday because she said, this testimony I'm sharing is not for 100 people. It's for a few people. And after that, I went forward for prayer. Yeah. It's the first time I was, I was slain in the spirit. I was a champion. I always used to say, no, it will never happen. But the lady prayed for me. And because I told her, and my cousins are from yeah. Celebration Church, and they took me there. And I remember saying to them, look, the aircon was off because I was hot the whole time. And they're like, no, it was cool in there, you know. And I began to sense that something was beginning to, to happen. Right. And fast forward to June, when I was scheduled to have, I do have videos, by yeah. the way, yeah. Um, I'm sitting at St. Clement's. Uh, chemotherapy unit. My doctor is there. She's talking to the pharmacists. I was supposed to start chemo at 8.30 p.m. the evening. Yeah. So from five hours there, at six they came and they gave me what they call a flash drip. Mm -hmm. A flash drip basically flashes, it goes into your veins because the chemo is administered intravenously through your yeah. veins. Yeah. And in that hour, I had my camera and I was taking pictures. Before chemotherapy had actually started, I now had, um, of course, after the biopsy, because mm -hmm. I think we skipped that part when I came down for, uh, I had to have a third biopsy. We did that. I went for further tests. They said it was in its advanced stages. And the CAT scan, the CAT scan revealed 18 tumors from my waist going up, my spleen, iota, uh, 18. 18, yeah. I had three that were showing on my neck. That, that, the pic, I, I do have the picture. And the picture I took before. Yeah. And so back to the day that I'm supposed to have chemo after these results had come out. I'm sitting there and I take pictures. I took two pictures simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at them after, you know, just going through my pictures. And I just wanted to make sure I had enough um, memory for the actual process itself. Yeah. And what I saw, I thought, ah, no, you know what? 
I think I'm not seeing properly. So I get up, I take my drip to the bathroom. Yeah. There was a huge mirror and I looked. And for the first time in three years, my neck was literally flat. I went back to, to my room and I asked my mom, I said, Mommy, do you see anything that's... And my mom literally like leaped out of her seat like, wait, let's call the nurse. You know, and I'm like, no, you're forgetting this. This trip here is not even. We haven't even started. Yeah. Like she came to just put this, and she'll come and check when it's done. It's like, no, I think. And I said, relax, she'll come. And my cousin was there, Faith was there, and another guy from, I think, from Celebration Church, Phineas was there, and we prayed. Because for me, I was beginning to see the signs. I mean. Some people might want to, um, you, you meet people that will say, ah, no. But then I'd heard a woman of God mm-hmm. speak directly at me that God came through in a moment of need when I was laying there having surgery and a miracle was, he worked a miracle. And from that meeting, I had a new resolve in terms of my faith. Yeah. And walking into that place, there was literally about a four or five day gap between that testimony shared and this happening now. And it's before that, because I remember when we prayed before, I was like, God, if chemotherapy works, just forget a testimony. People are just going to attribute this to medicine. So it's your call. Yeah. You know, and needless to say, the nurse came. She was very surprised, very surprised. And I love that they are all alive. I love that Dr. Nyakabao is alive. Yeah. She testifies to this. I'm glad that all the nurses at St. Clements are still there serving. Yeah. They testify to that. I love that my cousins are still serving a celebration church and the various people. I think all the eyewitnesses are actually yeah. alive. And so I'm assuming this is all going to be in your book. Yes, it's in yeah. my book. It's, yeah. it's, it's in my book. And fast forward, but you do have your, your, your people. My mom, because she's a mother. Yeah. He said, my son, look, I believe you are healed. My doctor had actually confirmed. She came through and she was just, I can't explain what's going on. I didn't lose weight. My hair didn't fall out. My nails didn't turn gray. I did not have any of the side effects. I think I threw up once. Mm-hmm. And it was just too much for them. I actually gained 10 kilos, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> wow. It was like a reverse yeah. of um, everything that we expected from all the literature that we had. Mm-hmm. I already expect, I remember um, Mrs. Taguira, the lady who gave, the, the couple that gave me the money, yeah. they brought me a cap from America. And she said, for when your hair falls out, you should just, so start wearing your cap now so that people don't find it odd that you wear hats. Oh my gosh, wow. You know, and I remember I visited her wearing it and I was like, no, my hair is not falling out. You know, and I like the cap. <laughs> I like, I love the cap. I love, I love the cap. And so, the long and the short of it is, during that period at St. Clements, I think I was the only patient they had that they could allow to go into any room and pray with people. Like they literally knew that there's this guy who's here. They would literally walk into the room every time and say, "Why are you here? Like, why are you?" Because I was now literally there just to share my faith. That's deep, man. You know? So uh, they did the whole process, the whole medical process, all the procedures. I didn't actually finish. Okay. Yeah. I actually didn't finish. I think I had four or five cycles. Mm -hmm. And it was not making sense. 
anymore. It was not making sense. Sit with my doctor. And I remember her just saying, look, we just need to put you on a plan now just to make sure that you stay, you stay well. And this is someone who is still practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about some people from 1950 or... Uh, <laughs> So we're doing a documentary as well, okay. and I would love for her to be there. She's going to actually say say stuff on there with regards Crazy, to what she bro. what she saw. Wow. So yeah. So okay. So here's what I want to know. Um, yes. Just this this whole. Uh, by the way, how many years ago was this? It was eleven years ago. Eleven years ago. Yes. And there's been no 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 issues whatsoever. No issues whatsoever. Wow. So. What do you think brought about the healing? Was it was it your faith? Because I'm sure you you were at a place where you were really starting to lose hope. Yeah. Right. Was it your faith? Was it the fact that you heard um, Pastor Bonnie Duchal's testimony? Was it the person who prayed for you? Yeah. What What do you think actually brought about the the healing? Um. Here's my thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because they that come to him must believe that he exists yeah. and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think there's a mistake that we are making as Christians or as believers. Mm-hmm. We want to come to God for the things and not actually for God himself. Because when I invite him in, it's like with you. Let's yeah. just say you, you are the president. You, okay, you are a prince uh-huh. from Qatar. <laughs> you are um, uh, sheikh. And you are wealthy. I think this is prophecy. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't this is prophecy. Yeah, I don't right here. Like, I, I, I'm seeing. I'm seeing. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing. I'm seeing all the bling right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, um, I think I would be foolish if I try to befriend you to make a million. Right. And not actually to befriend you to become a friend. Like because what would then happen is at any given time in my life when there is a need, out of your abundance. You always give me because you're right. my, And I think that's the picture that I think a lot of people come to Christ with, come to God with. At the point of our need, needs sometimes are there. Like I said, Pharaoh's heart is hardened so that the Israelites seek God more mm-hmm. for their freedom. And I'll go back to my story, how doors were closed. Let's imagine one guy was my dad's friend just says, I've got enough for chemo. I've got enough for these things and... I, I would have gone through with that process. And, and trust you me, my dad had made friends that were capable enough yeah. to do that. But I always say God tied. He handcuffed people to stop them from assisting his miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, I believe it's an aspect of faith and God's faithfulness to his word. Right. Because those three years were not rosy. Our suicide Suicidal three times. I com- I almost committed suicide three times. That's crazy, man. Right? Because the well, why though? What what got you to, to get to a point where you felt like you needed to take your own life? The confession. Mm-hmm. Okay, you walk in a room and people look at you funny. Yeah. I remember little kids would point like, "Why is his neck different from?" Mm. You know, and yeah. I literally hate hated being around people. people. So I became in isolation. The enemy who tries not there to say, ah, you know, now he's with God. Let me leave him. For after 40 days, of, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, you think the devil will, loose, will loosen his grip. But on the 40th night, the day, the day after he comes to Jesus, and he was there actively 
saying when I looked in the mirror, my guy, you are confessing and saying he sent forth his word and he heals them. That I am the Lord that healeth thee. Look at yourself. Where's the healing? Where is the healing? So I was cut between, even when writing my book, it was so difficult for me. Yeah. Because to recollect and say, okay, from a period 2005 to six, I was strong. 2006 to seven, I wasn't. It was happening like it was concurrently happening. One day I'm on the summit. Yeah. The next day I'm in the valley. And I think that was the ultimate test of faith because you remember Peter walking on water. The moment Jesus says, come, he's looking at Jesus. Yeah. He walks, whether it's two or three steps. The moment he gets his eyes off Jesus and sees the wind, he begins to sink. And I think that's the thing there with when talking about faith. Yeah. I think for some people that could have been healed or that are looking to be healed, the concept becomes about focusing solely on the word. You must become a nutcase. Yeah. Because I did that. Imagine three years, one lump, two lumps. Three. Now it's my sh my shirts. When I would wear them, they literally would lift up on one side. That's how big the the, the tumors yeah. were. Like especially the one that came out just above my collarbone. Yeah, you couldn't see my collarbone. It looked like I had uh, a monkey, like a young monkey, just latching on my neck. That's how it looked. Shucks. And to confess your faith. Like that. that didn't make sense. Yeah. And so there are times I was like, you know what? I think let me just end it all. You're looking at your family. Your mother is going through so much. Uh, I went fast over the story. We There's a time a, a certain lady uh, promised that she could help me get to the UK. Yeah. We sold a car. From selling the car up Chinoy Avenue, up there, got the money, went to... Uh, Eastgate, where we're meeting a person who was doing the transfer. Mm -hmm. We didn't buy anything with the money. Sent it to the lady, daughter of a family friend. Yeah. She starts telling stories. And the money went. Like we, I could have, it could have helped in my diet, but it didn't. We were duped of money. We were false promises. People acting like they want to help, and they. My mother literally went all out trying to do all she could. Yeah. So all of these things you're seeing, all of these things, and then your confession. There's no manifestation yet, and you're thinking, no. What if I'm just riding along here, and things are not going to pan out the way? And that's the enemy. That's how in that isolation where there was no one to say, "Bruh, you need to keep moving. No matter what, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. These are the winds." Yeah. But you can't even realize that you've already taken two steps on the water. Yeah. And that is what um, God keeps telling us in the scriptures, the, 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 the unity of fellowship and all of that. This is why when you have, in the book of Peter, bear each other's burdens. Yeah. I think people, because it was a new thing to them, very few people huddled around me. Yeah. I remember a person from our church was like, how's your cancer? And I Whoa. said, how are we expecting Whoa. it to go? Like... If I take ownership of it. That's your cancer. And I was like, I don't have cancer. Like it's your yeah. parrot. Exactly. Know, like in the cage. Like, oh yeah, have you been feeding Billy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's eating two <laughs> bowls now. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's, crazy. That's, so, that's, that's how it was. Yeah. What, what I want to also just, um, I guess what, what I want us to touch on is, you know, the fact that <clears throat> there, there are many people out there yeah. that, like you said, cancer is like a real... Um, killer. Well, not just killer, but it's a real enemy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where yeah. 
um, people often often believe that the moment they're, di- they're, they're diagnosed with cancer, they it's, it's a death sentence. Yeah. Or you know, there could be people that are out there that are struggling with it, or that are even just fearful of it. You know. Yeah. Um, and I I think just hearing your story is just really really profound. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, there, there are people who've believed God, who's, who've really gone all out, who've believed God and nothing has happened or nothing is happening. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, just as we draw to a close, what sort of encouragement would, would, you, would you give to people? Because I'm thinking someone could be hearing your story and thinking, but God, you healed pro. Yeah. Why not me? Why not my mom? Why not my dad? Why not my daughter? Why not my son? Um, or, you know, God... You, you did this for prophecy. How come, um, not even just cancer, but other things that people could be going through where they yeah. feel like they've been let down by God. Yeah. Right? So I don't know, man, like just from your own experience, yeah. what, what sort of encouragement would, would you give to somebody who's in that, in that position? Yeah. Um, I love that the book of Hebrews from chapter 10, 11 and 12 is dealing, um, about dealing with faith. And I think it's, it's chapter 11. Uh, is it chapter 11? No, chapter 10 actually says, since we have this great cl- cloud of many witnesses, mm-hmm. I believe many times God will avail a person yeah. as um, proof that, you know, if I did it, because he says in his word, I'm no respecter. God is no respecter of persons, right? And my advice, I think, just going directly to issues that people have, it might be diabetes, yeah. It could be whatever it is. My word would be God's word is true. God's word is true. The Bible says Sarah believed God because she knew that he who made the promise was faithful to bring it to completion. Yeah. Right. And for me, that's the thing that I keep saying. Let's be called believers for a reason. Right. Because I think we've got an issue where people have a cafeteria kind of approach to God. When God says, and let me quote David actually, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. The benefits are he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Mm -hmm. Forget not. And I think we forget not when we don't keep it in our memories. We need to keep reminding ourselves and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And the Bible says you need to renew your mind, renew. You need to keep it new and staying in the word. I'm a word fanatic. Yeah. I'm a word fanatic. And this is not stuff our generation wants to hear because that's the old school stuff. But with, 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 with social media and all these things, I think that's the death of us. Yeah. We need to get back into the word. And when God says, I can heal, let him be the decider. Right. Let's not deliberate over it and say, because I could have said, mommy, this faith thing, let's not do it. We already have two casualties in our lineage. Yeah. Why do we waste time on God? You guys prayed and all of that. But in the midst of it, I think God actually came and proved a point in my family that where he had failed to do, not that he failed, where well, he, appeared like he, he appeared to have yeah. not allowed healing for my father. Yeah. I got diagnosed and he came through for me. So I think there is, is for me, that's where that balance is always where mm-hmm. I say, look, I think I handled it differently. Yeah. 
in that I stayed in the word and this would be my word to people. Let's be word-based Christians, not only when seeking our healing and whatnot, and about relationship. God is not an ATM where, you know, it's in the middle of the night and I need money or I need something and I've got a need and then I go and I need for seed. Yeah. I come through, the only time I seed is when I want a job. The only time I is when I've got a need. I think we need to now grow to a level where even before things happen, with Abraham, he came and he said to Abraham, look, I'm about to destroy Sodom Yeah. because of relationship. God can begin to speak to people about diet. You can say to someone, stop eating that nonsense because it will mess you up. So the right. two things, faith and relationship, yeah. solidifying your relationship with God to a point where God himself is so true and so alive in you that he begins to even caution you and show you things before they they happen. They happen. Yes. Um, and then, lastly, yes. Uh, another thing that I, I guess I, I just want to to highlight is you mentioned the issue of bearing each other's burdens. Yes. Right. In your struggle, in your journey, you know, when when you're now going through this uh, whole cancer process, you're saying it was not an advanced stage. Yeah. Um, what would you have wanted? the people around you to do, especially the believers around you to do in terms of being there for you? Because I think that's another thing that even, you know, those of us that may not necessarily be, be suffering from a disease or from a condition, but w- what can we do to be there for people that are in, in the struggle? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was in Peter? Was it Peter was locked up and the, the believers were praying? Yeah. When Rhoda came to the door, opened the door, and they were not in prison. But in some place in the book of Acts, we read that when Paul and Silas were in prison, <laughs> they began to pray and sing praises. Right. Right. And I think they learned from there to say, look, when one of us is in prison, we pray as though we are in prison. Mm. And I think that is the same thing. We've got this relaxation that you know we've taught we've been taught that growing up you know it's your problem we'll come visit you at your house on our way from work then as we're driving off ah he's really sick and we are my one you know but i always try to imagine like i've you you'd imagine with a testimony like mine i get people every day yeah sending me messages i've prayed with some a person can can die. Like I remember the one lady who recently passed on. I would literally every time I got a message, I would literally wake up like I can't sleep. Yeah. <clears throat> like her kidneys are no longer functioning. She's on life support. She's on and I remember the other night I literally was weeping and just saying, No, but God look, you can do it. Yeah. You know, of course, you know, things happen the way they happened. But I remember the emotion I had then where I was literally standing in the gap. That when you have done all you can, stand. That's what the Bible says. Having done all you can, stand. And I think that's what we need. We need people that own each other's burdens. When you are going through something, I need to say, hey, Cookie Monster is going through this. Like, I need to own that because you are my brother. Which then means we are supposed to love one another. Genuinely. Not this, how we go to the same youth group business i think we need to now get to a place where we say that's why even my fight now with cancer i meet people i don't know 
they become family over five minutes of sharing yeah. their stories. Why? Because I know what it's like to be in the valley. Yeah. So I think that's that's what it's about. Let's let's just stay equipped in the word. Let's stay strong in the Lord. Yeah. Such that when these things happen, it could be you walking. It could be you walking mm. into someone's house and saying, "Look, I want to lay my hands on you," and I believe. According to our faith in this room, God can work it out. Yes. It's not a distant thing, this thing that we're calling healing. I think we're thinking we're seeing a UFO coming mm -hmm. to a building and a beam, and then something happens supernaturally in there. It could just be in the wake of this moment, yeah. someone being sick, and we're like, no, we believe God to do it now. Right. And it might take time, but God is going to do it, and we'll see God do it. Yeah. But it takes a Christian staying on their toes in terms of their relationship and their faith in God such that there's no, there's no barrier. I think there's so much that we can talk about. And, you know, I think there's so many links that we can make, you know, with the story. But uh, I guess overall, you know, what, what needed to be said has been said, yeah. you know, and, and we don't want to add anything further to, to what you've already shared. So thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Um, and I think, you know, one other thing that I just want to ask is uh, how can people reach you? If, if people want to maybe want to talk to you, people who may need to hear more about, you know, cancer or because you, you, you did mention that you, you, you help, you talk to people, you yeah. play with people. That yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where I can, I, I definitely, in terms of emotional support, yeah. spiritual support. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's prophecy official mm -hmm. ZW. Okay. Uh, Instagram prophecy official. ZW uh, Facebook, that's the page. Then Ngonizashe Mafira okay. on Facebook. That's the more common one. That's cool. where I get people. So inboxing. people can inbox you and yes. stuff, right? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, Pro, thanks a lot, man. A pleasure. Really, always. I'm, I'm challenged. Back um, to Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm really challenged. Yeah. 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 And Dazzle, thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much uh, to our listeners. And, you know, I, I hope you heard. And, you know, I think this has been a very a very enlightening and very fruitful discussion that we've had yeah. and just very refreshing and challenging also hearing the pro um, share his story. So thanks a lot, pro. You're welcome. My Good pleasure. to have you back. Yeah. Our first ever guest <laughs> and he's back again. Yeah. I'll be back. You know what I mean? And Dazzle, thank you. <laughs> and I'm Cookie Monster. Thank you all for listening. We're out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.